to Punchboard Paradise, coming to you from the heartland of America in Omaha, Nebraska, where we discuss the world of tabletop gaming, the topics that affect the board game community, and give honest and fair reviews of the industry's hottest games. In episode 79, the Punchboarders talk some recent plays, we dip on into the mailbag to answer some questions, and finally review Dominant Species Marine. Hey, everybody, I'm Clef. Hey, I'm Chad. I'm Richie. Woo! It's a beautiful day here in Nebraska. I am so happy. Uh, I stepped outside for about five minutes today and had the sunshine, just like close my eyes, open my arms, let the sunshine on my face. <laughs> wow. It was beautiful. I'm sure the like, neighbors yeah. thought something was going on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I, like I was worshiping here. the sun god. <laughs> wow. Wow. I, would, I seriously would trade my favorite board game to be able to, at will, Call the sun on my face like that. I, that's one of my favorite that's, feelings. That's, that just like, move to Arizona. Yeah, what, what that you, seems what like you, a terrible deal. No, yeah. no, and and that's your only power that you got with the sun. You just <laughs> summon it on your onto your face. <laughs> the best thing you could get. <laughs> you know what? You guys are ruining this for me. I'm just saying. I really love this time of year. I really love that feeling. It's just like because winter. You know, you just feel like you actually feel that the sun is farther away from you you feel that mm. distance you feel i love winter i feel great in winter oh my gosh my body is yeah. winter i'm just i the one thing i'm thankful for is we have air conditioning i couldn't take summer without it no. i don't know how people in the past lived without air conditioning. no see my body like as i get older my body really likes heat but you're right i mean what I think about is those winters because I read when I was in school, I read little house on the prairie and all that. And that's not far from here where that happened. And man, you know, that, that was pretty brutal. There's a dust bowl book. Mm-hmm. Can't remember the name of it. You can look this up for the, the book club. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. um, I'll, I'll ask Jessica. She, she still has a book somewhere, but yeah, it was a brutal time in Nebraska. I'll take it. Dust bowl. Yeah. I'll take it. And I will say I've been enjoying our book club. We've done a lot of stuff recently where, you know, stuff that I wouldn't have necessarily picked to read. We read uh, Eric Larson's The Splendid and the Vile about the Blitzkrieg in London, which was great. We read some Haruka Murakami books, uh, basically, you know, sort of really dreamlike kind of magical realism stuff, really crazy stuff. Just a lot of different books. And I really just enjoy the group and talking about the books. So that's been really great. So nice. if, if that's something anybody listening enjoys, you know, that's on our Slack and we get together, you know, every so often. So that's been great. That is awesome. Yeah. So, well, Richie and I just had our inaugural uh, AOS team, yeah. Yeah, podcast drop. A little extra bonus content for our, our patrons. Yeah. yeah. So and we've gotten some good feedback. Everybody seems to enjoy it. And uh, somebody said that they uh, think Chad should do his uh, 18xx uh, bonus <laughs> podcast. I'll do a little I solo would, podcast. I know, yeah. <laughs> I would be happy to do that. It'd be just me. So uh, just be me talking into one of those old-timey uh, tape recorders, probably. Well, you know, maybe you could talk to, to Ben. Maybe Ben would come yeah, in. Yeah, wrap someone in. Yeah, bring somebody in, and you yeah. can do a little special 18xx uh, podcast. Yeah, maybe that's something we could check out. I, I don't know. Uh, I would like to do that. We'll see. Uh, you know what? My friends in Lincoln, Nebraska here, mm-hmm. they're, they are all getting their vaccines and everything. So that would be great to finally, you know, that resolution I had about getting that 18XX play group together. I go. would love there it. There you go. There you go. Yeah. I just got my first shot on Saturday. Nice. Mine's scheduled. All right. You so. just got your first one? I got my first one on Saturday. Yep. Is it the Moderna thing? Uh, the Moderna. Yep. yep. Yeah. It, uh, 
it knocked me on my butt on Sunday yeah, for they said a the few first hours. Shot Not, if you, yeah. you've had COVID, right? Kind of takes you out. And you've had it you recently. Haven't. That's another yes. thing is they sometimes say get some distance, but you know. Uh, my doctor said I was good to go and said go ahead cool. and do it. And ju- they just obviously they warned me, hey, it's going to be probably a rough. Uh, next, the, the first day I was fine, and then the next day, you know, I just woke up, you know, but fever, chills, like type of thing. I just laid back, watched Royals baseball, and watched us win another game, so it was all good. So. <laughs> did you did you actually tell Missy? Did you be like, oh, the doctor told me I need to uh, take a couple of Advil, watch some Royals games, and play an Age of Steam map or two, I think. Uh, well, considering the doctor said the same thing to her, I don't think that, that would have worked. <laughs> oh. Well, hey, maybe we should talk about some board games. Hey, I'm all for it. Yeah. So, Chad, what have you been up to? What have you been playing? Well, you know what? Just recently, I've been getting more interested after the King is Dead had recently come out, the reprint. I was getting more interested in Pierre Sylvester as a designer. And so uh, on our Slack chat, one of our favorite uh, European listeners, Wesley, he talks about Virsin das Volk all the time. And so I picked up Versin das Volk. Uh, it's a game by Pierre Sylvester and Richard Sivel. Hopefully I pronounced those right. I apologize if I, if I haven't. But it is a two-player card-driven game about West and East Germany during the Cold War. Mm. So really, really interesting. Really, really horrible rulebook. Uh, but, <laughs> but no, I, I so it's one of those that I think everybody who plays it is going to get a couple rules wrong your first play. But fortunately, I, I played it with our friend Josh and, and Josh was like, yeah, I'm all for playing this one again because it, it's it's very interesting. It's almost like we've we've talked a lot about Watergate and it's almost like if if Watergate saw this game and said, Hmm, let's make something a little bit more accessible. And that's this has a lot of wargaminess to it. There's a lot of sort of yes, sometimes, but if this, then this sort of thing. Uh, that that makes it a little bit more fiddly. Is it just two player? Yes, it okay. is strictly two player. So uh, let me give you a, kind of an idea. Basically, what you want to do is you're just trying to sort of build up your economy or increase your living standards. And as I said, one player is West Germany and one player is East Germany. So you're just playing against each other and you're basically taking actions every round through these cards so it lasts over four decades if it lasts that long okay because there are four different sort of winning or losing conditions and if it lasts that long then it'll last over four decades uh you have the game is sort of divided into half decades where each player has two cards each that are secret, and then there's a card row of seven cards out at the top of the board uh, that everybody can sort of draft from. And then there's a special East East Germany card that they are only able to draft themselves because East Germany kind of has, has trouble with resources and those kinds of things, basically. But basically what you're doing every round is you are going to choose a card to play it for one of four ways. Basically, you will either remove an unrest counter because you can build up unrest counters in all these different provinces. And once there gets to be four of those, uh, then you have a mass protest. Once a country at the end of the round has four mass protests, the game ends and they lose. Okay. The second action you can do with a card is you can build up your economy. Basically, you have build points. So like a lot of card driven games uh, in the top left-hand corner of the card, there are a certain number of build points, okay? Sometimes it is a dual card, which means it's different points for 
whichever country is taking it. And sometimes it's just a standard number. But basically that means you're going to build roads and factories. And as you connect factories and roads together, the factories become better, more beneficial, Mm. more efficient. The third thing you can do is increase your living standard. Your living standard depends on basically how much how valuable your factories are in the different provinces if you've got a lot of valuable factories in that province your living standard um, the standard of living basically increases okay and then the the fourth thing that you can do is trigger the card event so like in a lot of these cards there's just an event that happens below like you know you get to remove these unrest markers or give the other side these unrest markers or take away a mass protest or lots of different things, basically. So you're always trying to look at cards out there and you're trying to make the tough decisions. Gosh, this card isn't good for me, but it sure is good for my for my uh, opponent. Do I want to just take this one point of, of route building maybe that it gives me and just take that just so that they can't do all these bad other things on the card, you know? So there's a lot of that. And Basically, East Germany, if they make it to the end of the game, they've won. So if, if they make it through all four decades without a win condition being triggered, they've won. If, uh, they, if they are able to basically get four protest markers at the same time that the other country does, they've won. So it's, it's very interesting. And there's a lot of every round, uh, every end of decade, you're checking a lot of conditions. Sometimes you can amass, uh, there's different tracks that you're tugging, pushing and pulling back on. Uh, the East Germany can get socialist cubes and you can use those cubes to remove unrest. And then they kind of sit there in the, in, in the country. And if you can get all 12 of those cubes out, East Germany automatically wins as well. So there's a lot of different things going on there, but it is a really interesting sort of push and pull. And the story that it tells is great too so it's sort of like oh my god west germany got color televisions now east (laughs) germany is totally jealous you know and like there's that 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 gap and so you see unrest or you see you know blue jeans that 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 we you know that east germany can't get so you know Mm. it's very interesting no this is one i've always wanted to try it's on board game core oh really website yeah so i'm at the especially since the rule book is bad out i want to check it out and then just go on there since the rules are enforced yeah what i would do too is look at the faqs i did not do that but later afterwards and we were kind of like oh yeah this rule and then this rule but it's it's once you figure it out it's like oh i want to play that again because the decisions are really great um it's it's certainly it's nowhere near as accessible as watergate is but it's just Mm. a different kind of game and there's lots of decisions to be made Mm. very good game i really enjoyed it so thanks to wes for that uh for that recommendation and that's virsin das volk by pierre sylvester and richard Sivell. what about you what have you been playing clef uh, well, I actually picked up a little game. I, I, it seems some buzz around it and people just saying it was, it was a solid little, uh, you know, medium weight type of Euro game. And, uh, even since sometimes people don't think I play medium weight Euro games anymore, I still do. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, uh, this is the red cathedral by Sheila Santos and Israel Sendero. It's a one to four player game uh, probably plays in about, oh, I'd say 60 minutes, probably maybe, you know, maybe a little bit longer depending on the player count, uh, you know, and I got in a three player game of it. Basically, it is kind of a resource conversion game where you're getting resources and then you're building buildings. Um, there's three main actions that you're going to take. One is that you're these these uh, cathedral cards come out and they're in different uh, sizes on these rows where there's going to be tops, middles and bottoms. So one of the action is, is you're going to claim one of those 
pieces of the cathedral that you're going to build. And then you'll get a, a, one of these little bonus action uh, tiles that you'll get to put onto your board for that. The second action is actually delivering the resources to these different buildings. And you can only deliver up to three resources per action of this. Um, it can be either to build the building or once a building is built, you can, you can do these decorations. And then the third and final thing, and obviously the meat of the game, is how you get these resources. And it's a unique thing where it's a rounded board. And it reminds me a little bit of Merlin where you are, it has five dice and you are moving the dice, but you only can move the dice however many pips are on the dice that you start to move. So if like if I had a two in a section, I could move it two sections. And then whatever's there, then I'm going to take the action of the, that, that, the spot that I stopped at. And you get to take the main action for however many times of how many dice are in that spot. And you can have a maximum of up to three dice in a spot. So obviously you're trying to hit spots that are going to give you extra, you know, more than just a, a single, uh, you know, resource. Then you also get to do one of the, it's like a card there that you can do that will sometimes give you trades that you can do, or maybe you can sell a resource for money, different things like that. Now, the unique thing in it is, is each person has their, their own color. And so your color dice is out there. Now, anybody can move your die, but you have this special ability that you can pay a dollar to move your die an additional spot for every dollar that you paid. So you can kind of, oh, well, gosh, I need one more spot or two more. You could pay a couple of dollars. And then there's also a white die that's out there that everybody can pay to do that. Uh, the last thing, you, when you move your die, you can do the main action on the board. You can do the extra card action. Also, if you have these action tiles that you got from uh, placing to start a cathedral spot, you also get to do that, which those will encourage maybe just getting some more money or maybe doing another, uh, you could pick another die that's out there on the board for whatever the color is and you get those. So all it is, is really then, like I said, is just getting those resources and then trying to build those uh, cathedral pieces. Now, a couple of things that were a little bit interesting of it. First of all, there are two different types of victory points. There's a prestige point and recognition points. Okay. So the point track that's around the board it has the, the recognition points are, you know, normal one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, whatever type of thing. But the prestige points are every so often on there. So like the first prestige point might not be till like number six of the recognition. And then it might be like a number 11 or something on those lines. Right. So if you get prestige points, you hop up, you know, a lot faster, but as the game or the points, I should say, go all around, it gets smaller and smaller between prestige points and recognition points to when you start to get up into like the seventies or eighties, it's a one for one. So it's no longer big jumps. So, um, one of the players I was playing with my wife, who's very smart at figuring things out quick, realized that when she was doing these decorations that they were giving her prestige points. And so she was hopping up big numbers early where I was doing more of this other stuff. And I was only getting these recognition points and I wasn't getting those prestige points until later in the game. And then I wasn't getting near the bang for my buck that she was getting when she was doing hers. So that's something that was a little interesting where you, you know, it's uh, like, you know, you want to try to kind of hop those big levels up early if you can. Uh, then the other part to the game is, like I said, you've got those cards where you are building those cathedrals at the end of the game, each tower piece that has been built in a tower is going to then it's a little bit of a area majority. Whoever has the most things that they've built there between decorations and, you know, uh, building the actual cathedral part 
it's going to be like worth so many points to who has the most, then half as much to the next person, and then a fourth to the next person that's on that row. So as the end of the game, you're starting to think, oh, well, I want to try to get into that row and build that because that will give me the majority there, uh, you know, type of thing. And, and so it, a little bit of a thought process going along there. Overall, I enjoyed it. I thought it was an interesting game. I mean, it's nothing that it's going to be a mainstay. I mean, probably won't stay in my collection. But as far as a game goes, I would like to play it maybe once, maybe twice more. It was interesting. I think if you like a light, medium to a medium Euro type of game, I think this game has a lot going for it. I think it's interesting. Um, It's not going to be super complicated, but yet it has some interesting decisions and some different things, you know, going on with it. Uh, you know, I, I would say it's good for that. If you're not like, Oh boy, I've got to have some player interaction and a lot of meat on the bone, stay away from it. It's not going to do anything for you. What did Missy think of it? Um, I think she was kind of in my boat where she said, you know, it was good. She enjoyed it. I mean, she won easily. So, I mean, that's always going to help her out, but I think she was like, it was okay. I don't think it's anything where she's like, Oh, let's play it again immediately or anything like that. But it's interesting though. I, I had heard of this game, but then when you brought out the box, I was like, wow, that's a that's a pretty small box. I mean, it mm-hmm. looks like, and mm-hmm. it's a 60-minute gameplay time. Mm-hmm. Did you guys hit around that for your first game or I would so? say probably not too much off of that, you know. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, obviously, with basically kind of me having to teach the rules, but yet still having to look at the rule book and kind of go along with it. I would say we were probably 60 minutes to an hour and 15, something in that. Okay, so, yeah. okay. Gotcha. cool. It wasn't terrible, yeah. Well, what about you, Richie? Well, I was running around this weekend, and I was by the game shop. So I swung in there. And did some perusing and a little purchasing, and I bought uh, two expansions. So I picked up uh, the expansions for Aquatica and for Fifty First State, the, oh. the latest one, the Moloch one. Uh, I have not played the the expansion for Aquatica yet, but I'm hoping because I know Clef had a little some reserves on that game. But I'm hoping this fixes. Well, talk about a game my wife loved. She uh, she got taught it at a at a game day and was like, "Wow, this thing is amazing!" And so she made me go out and buy it, and I was like, "I'm all excited." And then I played it, and I was ugh, not not all that thrilled. Here's the thing: if you <laughs> if you listen, and I've played it since. Here's the thing: if you if you listen to what people are basically saying, if you play that very beginner variant with the basic basic goals, mm-hmm. it's done way too soon. First of all, okay, and they're very achievable, and okay. it just feels like a race game to stuff that feels too easy and not gotcha. very strategic. The one of the things that your expansion adds, because I got it too, but have have not played with it, is mm-hmm. it adds new end game goals, which I would say you know give it mm-hmm. a try. And I think it's it's important to sort of add in those other yeah. ones. So you haven't even played Aquatica yet. No, I was planning on just throwing it all in. I, when I, I would Jessica. honestly tell you go for it because okay. don't. I mean, if you can at it least don't play enough. that base. Yeah, so. yeah. it's it not is. highly yeah. complicated. If you're playing it with with you and, and Jess, yeah. for example, just just go for it. Yeah, I would totally agree. Cool. All right. Well, the one that I did play was the uh, the expansion for 51st State, which is a Moloch, and it is a, a deck, and they just released these decks. I think there's three of them now, uh, and 51st State came with two like little expansion decks mixed in as well or available for you to play with. You only ever play with one expansion, so you'll strip out the cards from the other one. You have your base set, and then you'll mix in the expansion, which the Ignacy has done a fantastic job. Every deck is unique. Uh, it plays completely different, and in this one, uh, now you have a threat, not only because obviously you're going against each other, but now you have a threat that is uh, Moloch, and it's basically these like Terminator-type robots that you have to deal with every round. It's like a rival gang, for example? Or no? no, not really. They have a, the Allies expansion was kind of like that. But okay. with this, it, it is a, a... So basically the way that it changes the game 
is that you have the lookout phase which is where you get cards. Then you have the production phase, which gives you your normal stuff or your your different uh, goods or resources that you're getting. And then you go into the deploy phase. And then that's when the Moloch expansion comes in now. And that will bring out, uh, depending on, you can play either easy, normal, or, or hard. Uh, it will bring out a number of these robots or mechs or whatever to the table. And then think of it almost like Twa. So where you have at the bottom of the board, you have those different threats that mm -hmm. the players can either deal with or ignore. And then everyone is punished, essentially. Mm -hmm. Same deal with this. So these mechs will come out and they won't attack on the first turn. They'll just be deployed. And then uh, in the later turns, before you get to the deploy phase again, they will attack and they'll either take resources away from you, make actions unavailable, different things like that, destroy some of your cards that you've built out into your tableau. And like I said, it's almost exactly like Twa. So if it's something where one of the mechs comes out and it says that it's going to take away the raise action uh, on your player board that you have available to you, if that's not your strategy this round or this game where you're not raising a lot, you know, I might just ignore it. Let let Clef deal with it instead. Hmm. I'm not going to do anything. Now, more mechs are going to come out on top of that. And, the you know, you, you want to take care of them eventually. Right. You need to do something. And then at the end of the game, so that's, I mean, that's the major change. You get a whole new deck of cards and then you get these mechs. And then they also have on the backside of the, the different mechs, whenever you, you can hack them to take over the card and it's a, it becomes a hacked card, which is just like a, a souped up either location action or like production building. And they're really easy to get played out because they only take uh, one uh, of the gray uh, construction tokens to build. But I really like that whole, I mean, it's almost like a semi co-op essentially because you, you want to deal with those, but at the same time, you may just leave them out there and let them screw the other person. But at the end of the game, uh, whoever has the most points loses, I think it's two points for every mech that is still out there. So even if it's something where you can take advantage of them being out there and screwing everyone else, it's going to come back on you if uh, you let it get too out of control. So you do, you do want to try to focus on and get them out of there. So pretty slick uh, expansion if you are in the 51st state. And even if you've never played 51st state, if you get a chance to play it, uh, I would definitely recommend this expansion, especially if you're kind of into that semi-co-op type deal. I can see completely why Richie likes this expansion from what I'm hearing because I, I just totally envision Richie going, come on now. Let's deal with this. You're gonna, you're gonna <laughs> take care you of this. Yeah, yeah, you take care of this. Yeah, yep. Yeah, and, and then, then he doesn't. We'll and yeah, yep. just make sure that you yeah, do. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, yep. That's pretty much yep. how it goes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I see. Well, and for some reason, have you ever played Archipelago? No, I haven't. See, I think I still own that for some reason. Oh, I don't good. know why I, I, yet. But we need to I, play that because I, I think I've almost would, bought it a couple times. Yeah, but. you would enjoy that. So uh, we do have to play that. Now back to this game. Did you just play it two player? Yeah, just played it with Jessica. So okay. just two player. The only thing that changes with more players is that uh, more of the mechs come out each round. But that's did you uh, did did she enjoy it? Yeah, I mean she she doesn't love Fifty First State. Okay, she doesn't, she doesn't love Imperial Settlers either. Yeah, she plays it for me. Okay, <laughs> so, okay. Aw, yeah, that's kind of like I play Root for Dan. All right, there you, <laughs> <laughs> you guys have that same sure yeah. something like that. Uh, so when are you going to build Dan's patio for him? <laughs> uh, well, I guess so. The other question is: uh, Did she tolerate your bad, uh, your bad Arnold Schwarzenegger impressions? Or <laughs> it's honestly, it's more like kind of like uh, what's that one? Like iRobot? Is that the oh the yeah, one with okay. Will Smith? It's yeah. More like the, the robots are more like that. They don't they don't necessarily look Terminator ish. <laughs> yeah, they're but. they're a little bit quiet, more quiet and understated. Yeah. Okay, yeah. all right, I appreciate that. <laughs> Do the chopper. <laughs> oh boy! All right. <laughs> 
So Richie, yeah, that bag <laughs> over there looks like it's kind of full. It's, it's got like a, it's got a few letters in there. Yeah, wow, looks like it's a full bag. I didn't even realize there was a bag there. Yeah. It like just came out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's check it out. <laughs> All right. got a couple of questions today uh the first one comes from patrick uh this is via slack and so his question is what are your pet peeves at the gaming table and how do you handle when uh, the boundary is crossed mm. clef any pet peeves when you're uh playing games i think probably my biggest is if someone is just uh like completely checked out of the game and like they're doing more like looking at their phone and you know not paying attention and then when you got to tell them hey it's your turn or you know they're not they're just not engaged in the game i think that's probably like certainly i mean i know i'm we'll, we'll talk about somebody who plays slow or has ap or whatever but at least if they're engaged in the game i'm not as you know upset about that but somebody who's just completely checked out and like you know that I think I that's probably my biggest pet peeve. At but would you table. have discovered Auntie Donna without someone being checked out? Well, <laughs> <laughs> there's a difference between us all stopping and watching a video together and having somebody yeah, who's not even talking or whatever, and they're just looking at their phone and scrolling, and then yeah. it's all of a sudden yeah. it's like, just hey, Bobby, it's your turn. You yeah. know, type even of disengage from the group. I right. think gotcha. often, too, when somebody does it, like that repeatedly they're trying to they know it and they're trying to almost send you a message often do you know what i mean like i think sometimes if they're doing that you know repeatedly i think that they're trying to let you know that they're not engaged right <laughs> I, yeah, and I've I've seen this, and I, yeah. I understand what you're saying, and I, I I agree with you. Right. But then at the same time, it's like just don't come. Like it's weird. Yeah. I, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, or don't, don't agree to that particular game. Like yeah. If you yeah. have that, if you have that much of a bias, and then maybe you have to revisit it, right? So maybe that person is checked out because they know they can't win the game, and so then they're just not having any right. fun at that point. Yeah, remember like when Chad did the thing with food chain? Oh, I wasn't supposed to talk about that on the air. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm so okay. Hey, hey, I was still yelling at myself. It That's didn't true. matter. Come I was definitely engaged. <laughs> yeah, I would say I you was very definitely engaged. engaged. <laughs> uh, Chad, what what are some of your pet peeves? You know what? I, I guess this is kind of a blanket thing, but I would just say when I feel like when I, we like to tease, we we do that on the podcast and we do that when we game at the table. But if I feel like somebody at the gaming table is is being disrespected, um, like seriously disrespected, a it will make me uncomfortable, and I won't, uh, you know, all the all of a sudden I'll kind of wonder if I actually saw something right the, the way I saw something. Mm -hmm. But then if I if I really think somebody's being disrespected, that makes me uncomfortable. And I guess the way that I would approach it because that that was the second part of Patrick's question, right? Is to just you know see if that if that other person knew that they were doing that, you know, and maybe try to make light of it. Cause you know, if you didn't mean to do that, we don't want to necessarily call you out, you know, sort of thing, but we just want everybody to be welcome to not feel like, you know, there's any, um, there's any sort of aggression that's not, you know, warranted within the game space towards another player or mm. not, not just aggression, but disrespect. Really. Mm -hmm. That's what it's about. Yeah. yeah. 
And then I, I mean, to follow up with that, then I'm probably just not going to invite that person anymore. Right. If it's, if it's purpose, if it's purposeful and they don't respond to your, Mm -hmm. you know, your redirection or Mm -hmm. you're kind of pointing that out in the right way, then yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, uh, good, healthy gaming spaces are really, you know, all I'm interested in. Yeah. 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 Well, that and the sun. All right. <laughs> the power of the sun. <laughs> what about you, Richie? <laughs> well, Club said we were going to talk about slow players, so I'll talk about slow players. And it it depends on the game. Uh-huh. I don't I don't mind like we're playing a coin game or like agent age of steam, and you're taking your time. I'm fine with that. But if it's you know we're playing five cucumbers and you're taking <laughs> five minute turns. I'm gonna. Hey, sh- might be important if I'm a play the seven <laughs> or the six. All right. <laughs> I'm gonna say something, um, I, and I'll do it in a playful way. But uh, if it continues, hit the Patrick's second question there. It's almost always gonna end in you're not getting invited back. <laughs> like you're not. Yeah. You're probably not gonna come back uh, to play with us. But yeah, I I'm gonna do it in a playful way. Hopefully, you just you know pick up the turns when it's appropriate. Like I said, if, if the game calls for really long turns, yeah. I'm 100% fine with that. Yeah. Cause I've noticed, I mean, sometimes like, and we've talked about me having AP with certain games and whatever, but like, you know, uh, sometimes I've played with you guys and one of the players at the table will just take a really long time during age of steam. And I'm like, okay, come on, let's go. Let's go. You know, like, <laughs> so you guys are really tolerant of that. I think with those certain games. Well, just because we know, I mean, there's, I mean, there's some turns in age of steam where it's, that's going to make or break the game. Yeah. And you got and, and, I'll, and every I'll give you thing, your time. Exactly. Sure. And I know, you know, I mean, like, especially when I'm playing Age of Steam, there'll be times where I'll be like, I'm sorry, guys. You know, this is a big moment or whatever. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, the players at the table will be like, that's fine. You know, sure, we, we sure. understand. Um, you know, and certainly in a coin game, it, not even necessarily is it that I'm trying to figure out the best. Or I'm just trying to figure out what, what can I do. do? <laughs> yeah. Wait, which faction am I again? <laughs> sorry, I was watching Andy Donna. Yeah, but uh, yeah. All right. Very good. Thank you for that question, Patrick. Yeah. And then Dan had a question. He did. He, he sent it on the uh, private bat channel yeah. here. So I'm going to let you read that because I, 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 I didn't it. get that All one right. in the mailbag. Okay. So Dan asked if we had to, and you got the knife to your throat, I guess, here, and you had to choose if we could only play the games that between the three of us all own for the rest of our lives and never be able to play a new game, anything that came out from this moment on, or if we would only could play future games and never play any of the games that we currently own. So basically just, would you want to play the future or would you want to play the past if you couldn't do one or the other? Okay, so are we including when I gave away Gaia Project for the feeling of sun on my face whenever I wanted it? <laughs> well, I still own Gaia Project, say, yeah, so you'd still, still be okay. So okay, you'd okay. still be able to play okay, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Richie, what, what are you thinking here? Is this a no-brainer or is this a, is a big thought process here? I mean, for me, it's a no-brainer. I'm actually curious what Chad says because I think Chad is more, he likes to get newer games. I'm fine playing older games. I'm fine just playing the games that I have that I like. Obviously, I'm, I'm trying to play 101 Age of Steven games. Uh-huh. I so would I, rather, I'm not going to take the gamble. I, I just see that as a gamble. I'm going to, I already own a bunch of great games and I'm hoping that in the future, games of equivalent come out. So, okay. Okay, so you're I'm saying playing the old. you're I'm keeping the old. the old and saying, I don't care if the new greatest game in the world where somebody says this game is better than Age of Steam, you're saying, well, yeah, guess I'm not. Fine. I'm just playing Age of Steam. I'm playing All my right. old games. All right, Chad, he's, he's, he's called you out. What, what's your answer? I, I have to say 
that I agree with Richie here. A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. There and maybe go. this is sort of the Jeff Engelstein loss aversion thing, but I know what I'm missing out on if I give away the stuff I love. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what I'm missing out on if I just say goodbye to the future. I love, I, I it is a great thing for my brain to learn a new system. Like that calms me down. I really uh -huh. enjoy it. I uh -huh. love what that feels like. Almost as good as the sun. So <laughs> I would say though, I would say that I, I know because I know what I love and I know that it's going to be there. That's what I have to choose. That's what I have to choose. It's mm -hmm. tough though. It is tough. Cause I like that feeling of learning. This is actually tougher for me than I think maybe for both of you, because here's, there are, I, I've discovered there are really two things that I enjoy about gaming besides the normal getting together with, you know, people and, you know, things. the two things that I really love are a, teaching a new game to people that I really love and I'm excited to teach it to them, you know, and to see what mm -hmm. they think. And then the other thing I really enjoy is I love opening up a rule book and learning a game. It's And then exploring and especially like, you know, you'll start to read and you're like, I don't understand, I don't understand, I understand. And then all of a sudden, boom, the light bulb goes off and I go, oh, okay, I get it type of thing. Okay. And, you know, like uh, just uh, last week we also... You know, I, I played Oro Lombora with you, Chad, uh, you know, like three years ago. Didn't remember any of it. And Dan got a copy and we we just busted it up and just read the 16 different rule books that were in it, you know, and, and figured it out. <laughs> and it's just one of those things where I just really enjoy that process. So I, I'd lose out on that process. You know, I mean, I know all these games. Most of these games I have taught most people that I'm excited about. So I would lose that feeling of that. So can I ask a question? Can I still play new age of steam maps when they come out? Would that Ooh. count? No, 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 no. no. I don't that's think an would. expansion what? to an old game. And that's what I had thought about. That's how I knew what Richie was going to choose. Right. Cause your neighbor, even Richie, your neighbor yeah, yeah. would know. What I, right? So every time I come over <laughs> to uh, Clef's house, anytime I go to board game period, I bring my age of steam maps. Cause you never know. You never know. <laughs> age of steam game might bust out. You right. never know. Yeah. Right. And it's in a gigantic art portfolio that Clef picked up <laughs> for me. And uh, it looks at uh, Michael's Arts and Crafts. Yeah, there you so go. Just it looks like Richie is carrying his. <laughs> it looks like Richie is carrying his architectural drawing. Yes, yes. that's yes, really yes, what it looks yes. like. And I was leaving, and my neighbor said, "Hey, hey, where are you going?" I was like, "Oh, I got you know, we got to record the podcast. We got game night and all that." He said, "What's what's that?" And he pointed <laughs> at the case. So I was like, "Oh, it's uh, you know, I, it's for my Age of Steam maps. I like to you know store them in here so I can use a good one." He's like, "Oh." Really like that game, huh? <laughs> <laughs> All right, bud. I'll, I'll see you later. <laughs> I'll leave it. Oh, that is a great story. I don't need to be shamed. <laughs> um, so I, that is a very, I mean, that would be a very, very tough question. I'm glad this is never going to mm. have to happen. But I'll tell I you. I didn't think about the expansions, though. But yeah, I, it's it, it like 140 I, maps. I know, but if, if I could throw the caveat in, that I could still play New Age of Steam maps, I would take the future. If I can't play New Age of Steam maps, I'm taking the future. All right. <laughs> oh, wow. Taking I, uh, the future. I, that, that's a, that is a cleft. You know what? That's just ever since I've known you. And that fits. Yeah, that fits. I, 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 I think, think that's new. I love new. That's why, I mean, I have so many games that, you know, I play them and then I'm just get rid yeah. of them. Just, but yeah. but I, I still have the experience of, yeah, learning and, and loving it. So. I, that, and when you started to talk about this game, I just want to say, remember that there was a time when we were going to have a segment, played it. 
had it, sold it. Yeah, you know, for you. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, yeah. The only thing I would miss is the new cardboard smell oh. and punching out a game. See? You are so. I right. would miss that. There's a reason that this name Punchboard Paradise. Yeah. yeah. You know. No. I would. I would oh. miss that. You're right. Oh man. But maybe oh. could I come over to Clef's house and just punch? Yeah, no. Game? You cannot smell mine. No. I can't smell your box. No. Get your nose no. out of my box. Hey. By the way, if you want it, if you want a good one, Whistle Mountain like 15 punch boards and like a hundred <laughs> other components. It had punching for hours. It was great. <laughs> Game. Okay. <laughs> punching was great. <laughs> All right. So there you go, Dan, there is the answer. So we got two pasts and one future. Great question. Thank you guys so much for sending in questions. We appreciate that. And you know what, what else we appreciate? We ap- appreciate patrons. Oh, I thought we so. were going to go back to the sun. Oh, no, no, that's just me. (laughs) (laughs) Chad likes walks on the beach, 18XX and the sun, (laughs) except not the age of steam map. Okay. So what we, what we really appreciate are patrons and we have a new one. All right. Ryan Hipsman. Thank you so much for your donation to our Patreon. Uh, it allows us to do things like get new recording equipment. You heard the benefit of that last episode when we could have some uh, have Jess on and have her interviewed and all that great stuff. Uh, so we really appreciate that. And we know not everybody can. And we appreciate everything that you do just to share and like and give us reviews. We really like reviews too. Thank you so much to this community. Punch Punch, we love you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. All right. Are we ready to uh, review this bad boy? Let's do it. Dominant Species Marine by Chad Jensen, a two to four player game that plays in approximately 90 to 150 minutes, published by GMT Games. Each player will take on a different marine animal to compete on a large hexagonal board made up of different terrain types using cubes that represent their different species. The board will also have different elements that help feed the species so they do not go extinct. Players will be using action pawns that they place on worker placement spots to perform various actions to improve upon their own species hurt other players' species, earn cards and play cards, and then score victory points. On a player's turn, they will have two choices. They can place one of their action pawns on an action spot. If it's their first pawn, they can place it anywhere they want to. Each subsequent pawn must be placed to the right or further down from their current action pawn. The other thing they can do is they can do a retrieve action where they pull all of their pawns back Once all players have performed the retrieve action, that will trigger a reseeding of the board. Players will have opportunity to also earn special action pawns, which have some rule-breaking action abilities, which include ignoring the placement rule, getting to go to special action spots, and also being able to bump or replace someone else's regular pawn. The timer of the game is dictated by a card row. One of the actions to take will allow you to score a terrain tile and then earn a card to play. Seated in the bottom five cards is an in-game trigger card called the Asteroid. And once it is played, that will trigger the end of the game. Once all players have done the retrieve action, 
that will then actually trigger the end of the game. Then all terrain tiles will be scored once again. Players will then receive points from their special action pawns. And then the player with the most victory points is the winner. All right, guys, that's, you know, obviously multiple rules that I'm not talking about are parts, but there's just a basic overview of how to play dominant species Marine. I would say well done. Yeah. All right. Well, um, we always start off with the same thing, which is good old arts and components. And Chad, I'm going to throw it to you. Kind of talk to me a little bit about what uh, arts and components. This is standard GMT, which means it's good. They, you know, the board comes in that nice, big, huge plastic baggy and uh you've got all those you've got some cardboard chits but then you've got tons of uh wooden counters basically you don't have the cones richie you don't you don't have the cones from the original dominant species right, well, we'll talk about the cones in a minute we'll, we'll get back to the cones. <laughs> i was gonna bring up the cones you missed the cones yeah uh but you've got your cubes for your species and and i i'd say you know card quality isn't linen finish but it's still good so it's for what for what it is because you're never handling these cards they just come out in the card row and you right, get them right. played yeah anything else to add to that richie no i mean that's you know, spot on. It's just a more colorful dominant species, essentially. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But everything else is basically the same. Yeah, I'd agree. The card quality is is a little bit lacking, but you're not uh, holding the cards or having to shuffle them very much. So I think it's good enough for what it does. My one little small complaint on the, uh, they have little square chits that are both for your victory points and for your, where those special action pawns go. Yeah. And those can get a little confusing down there. So we've actually replaced, instead of using the victory point chit, we just use one of the extra cubes, which just makes it a lot easier to kind of see the difference. Now, granted, I realize probably once you start scoring enough victory points, it wouldn't make as big of a difference, you know, because they'd be further away from them. But that's one little very, very small thing. All right, let's talk about the cones. So we're missing the cones. I say hallelujah. No, no. First off, I mean, a picture, if you put a picture of these two next to each other, the cones look fantastic. Just because you can't pick them up with those those sausage fingers, don't what? be. <laughs> oh my the, goodness! The the XL glove has been thrown. <laughs> wow! I, I couldn't. I can't pick those cones up. I do every time. I squeeze. They squeeze and they shoot right out. However. We were telling Corey Acklin that, and he's like, you're crazy, blah, blah, blah. And the first time he picked up a cone, he, he lost it. it and dropped it. I'm calling him out right now. <laughs> I thought it was a game about Christmas trees before I knew, so I don't know. I don't know. Uh, no, I missed well, the cones. And I, honestly, I, and when we get into gameplay, I think I missed that mechanism as well. But Okay. All right. So, All right. So anything more to add, arts and components? I mean, good. I mean, to me, obviously, GMT, they make some great, you know, stuff. I think that, you know, the wood's all good. Everything's good in the game. I so think it, I, I think like what Richie said, it is a, a little bit more colorful. You have some pastels in the player colors and, and that sort of thing. So it does brighten it up a little bit. It's nice. Uh, let's dig right in and go ahead and talk about the gameplay. Obviously, one of the big questions I think a lot of people are going to ask are, what are the differences? And I think we'll get to that in a moment, but let's just start in on just kind of what we feel how the gameplay is in this. So the first thing let's talk about is, how the action pawns go on the board, which is, you know, you have to always have them be to the right or further down. Chad, when you first played that, what did you think of that? That was fantastic. That, that's one of my favorite parts of the game because of how that works in the game and how you have to sort of look at what you're going to do and how that makes tough decisions because obviously the dominance 
uh, action and the cards and stuff is right down to the bottom of the row. But then if you if you go straight down there to beat somebody else to it, you're going to waste a bunch of your pawns and then have to take that retrieve action where you do nothing that round unless right. you have a special power. Mm -hmm. You do nothing that round and uh, you know then they're going to monopolize something else. So right. you really, you have some tough decisions to make with that. Uh, and sometimes you're thinking, okay, well, if I maybe place this pawn up here to sort of strategically improve my position up here, and then maybe I can jet down, but you just don't know because people are watching you, seeing what you're doing, mm -hmm. and they're trying to figure out how that fits in with what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a great mechanism. I love that, that new part as far as, and also the fact that you have the special action pawns that let you break that rule, uh -huh. so you can go right. anywhere. They did a fantastic job with that. That that I almost want to try on regular dominant species as well, but hmm. I don't know if it would work. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but, I don't know. Might be messing with, with uh, perfection. I don't know. Well, and we talked about that, right? The special action pawns, which can bump other mm -hmm. basic pawns which that's that can be huge too because that that makes those things really valuable not just for point scoring later which can be huge in this game yeah but also just to kind of strategically hold back that pawn and then you're looking at somebody across from you that has that and you're thinking oh where are they going where are they going with that are mm -hmm. they going to bump right. the one that i put here should i put a should i put my special because the nice thing about the special action pawns they have a lot of times a special version of the action too mm -hmm. that they can do so uh it's a nice more powerful version of that action so sometimes you go do i put my special action pawn in a basic slot so that somebody can't bump that off and uh, do some other stuff with it, you know? So I, I really like those decisions as well. Do you feel like, can you win the game without having at least one special action pawn for a majority of the game? I think it'd be tough. Those are really strong. I mean, the is it the Wonderlust one where you get a whole nother turn? Yeah. Yeah. You, yep, you get to I mean, an additional yeah, turn. Yeah, that now. special action space, uh, that alone is huge. And yeah, it's two turns you, in a row. Yeah, if you time it out right, you can score a lot of points. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it, it would be hard. I'm sure it could be done. Other people would have to stumble, I would think. The other thing I think is it really depends on your player power, right? So like some of those player powers feel like they are a little bit stronger sometimes than others. I, I can't say that. I, I haven't played the game enough to say like, oh, this is broken. But I just think some of them would lend themselves a little bit better to doing that and not having the special action pawn yeah. than other ones. Well, I can. Th I think I can say that I've played it enough that I there. Okay, so what Chad's talking about is the, the, the trait cards. So at the beginning of the game, you get dealt three basically special power type mm -hmm. of actions and you pick one of them and, and that's your trait for the game. And they are very much, I feel like different in power level. I mean, there are oh, some yeah, that are just definitely. like, this is no help at all. Mm -hmm. And then there's obviously one, which we can kind of talk about that is, I mean, to me, probably the best power in, in the deck. And, and I, you would have to play very bad, in my opinion, not to win with that trade. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm not saying you're going to win every game with it, but it's you're got a, certainly a leg up on it. So yeah. Um, so those trade cards, what, how do you guys f feel on those? I mean, do you feel like you wish that they just had standard power like in the original, or do you like that there's the variety there? Well, now that we're talking about it, we should we should clarify. So the original, if you play, for example, the insects, every time they have the same power. Sure. Whereas in this game, if you play the reptiles, then, you know, you have whatever trait card yeah. of those three that Something you've drawn. Different. Yep. So I don't know. It's, I do like that the original game has, you know, it's sort of like try to win with this condition. That's mm -hmm. what it is. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Although I can say it's, 
sort of felt like it maybe even the playing field when Richie used when Richie suggested and we did last time we played together we used the superpower variant where you pick two powers. Yeah, I would sure. definitely recommend that because I, I I love the idea of the traits and I mm-hmm. would and I I don't want them taken out. I just want them balanced or but, if you're going to make them strong make them all strong but before we did the superhero thing i took out the, the a couple of the more powerful yeah. ones okay. and i think yeah. i took out a couple of the the weaker ones. the weaker ones so we were a little bit more balanced even when i threw those yeah. and that out was there. a closer game yeah and i mean so the power that i'm talking about so we'll just jump into it is anytime you go and do a retrieve action if you retrieve all of your pawns you get to take another turn immediately. Yes, which usually when you're going to retrieve, you are retrieving all your pawns. And you're doing nothing. So you're basically getting somewhere between four to six extra actions mm-hmm. a game than everybody else will get, which obviously, I mean, just equate that. I mean, just think of any game. If you got yeah. if you got four or five extra actions in Great Western Trail, I mean, you know, you would just, you would have you're an opportunity, you know, or in Gaia Project or wherever, it would be very hard to beat somebody in that circumstance. Again, and I'm playing devil's advocate, we don't have to hit the hammer with it too much, but I think that if you get a pretty good player playing against that, what they have to do is they have to push, they have to push certain things that that person won't want done, you know, so that they, like you have to push domination, in other words, and, and because it did mean a lot of times when I had that power, I still had to put action pawns out, 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 you know, and get all my pawns out to be able to get that extra action. Meaning I, I couldn't go to domination whenever I wanted to or whenever it was a good idea to or, you know, and so but I, pushing but that I, player. But to, I would say early in the game where you're everybody's pretty much always putting out all their action pawns, that's when you're getting those extra turns. And I think that's where it really jumps. I would agree at the end of the game, you know, you're probably not going to get all your pawns out every time, but I'm still, I mean, I've seen it played three times and I've seen it one all three times. Mm, okay. and so it's, it's very powerful. And then, like I said, there's one, um, there's one that like, when you get to 20 points, you get an extra action pawn. I think in this game, you don't want extra action pawns. No, usually not. Because usually, yeah, especially as the game gets later, you know, and right. the, if you're up to 20 points, you know, I mean, the game's a little bit later, you want to be dropping yours further down the track anyway. So yep. you're doing a retrieve action a lot of times with extra pawns anyway. Plus you, you want to get your special pawns back. Exactly. Well, so, yes, yeah. exactly. When you retrieve. So um, I, I really, the trait cards are swinging. That's the only thing I'll mm. say. So if you play this game, just realize they are very swingy in how good they can. Now, Granted, I'm sure they're going to say, well, that's why you get three and you get to pick one. Yeah, but, but if you get three bad ones, I would, yep. a draft would be a good idea with that. Yeah. Where you just choose one and you pass it until you have the three and then pick could two be, or but just stick with the one. But could who knows? be, but if, if we're playing a three-player game and we had nine cards, you could have one or two really good ones and then the rest could be... Yeah. I don't know. It's. I'm just saying, be prepared. It is a little bit more random where, you know, and like I said, obviously I don't want to necessarily compare everything to dominant species, but in dominant species, it is all set every single time, you know, exactly yeah. what everybody has and what they're doing. And it's more, it's a little more balanced in that sense. You were talking about swinging. Uh, that's one difference. If we'll get into kind of differences with gameplay, the cards in the card row feel a little bit more swingy and crazy in dominant species than they do in dominant species marine too. Hundred percent. So maybe yeah, that's yeah. kind of the switch off, the trade off there. I, I would. Yeah, that could be. I would agree with you. The cards are definitely not as when you when you when you get them and play them, they're not as swingy. Now 
I think they are very swingy in another way, which I'll talk about here in a second. But the actual playing of the cards, I agree, they're not as powerful as the dominant species ones. Okay. But I'll also say this they're a lot easier to get. Like in oh, dominant definitely. species, you got to work at it to yeah. get cards. And even then, you may not get, you know, the, you know, certain one or depending on who gets mm -hmm. to go before you, uh, because, you know, player order changes and such. This player order never changes. So you're same spot. It's just obviously you're doing the actions immediately, but um they're a lot easier to get okay so that's i will definitely say that i don't know richie what is no i would agree and and that's where the you know the the cones or the dominance mm -hmm. mechanism is not in this game right for that and i like that especially if you're lower on the food chain you still have a chance especially if you're the insects where i mean your special power is that you get to um remove a cube remove a cube yeah mm -hmm. so you it makes it a lot easier for you to get dominance out there if you can speciate and get your pieces out there and so even if someone uh, may have more cubes in there that's higher up on the food chain, if they go and try to get a card, you may be able to just get that card. So they may not trigger it there because you have dominance over that area. Next thing I kind of want to go into in gameplay is, is the randomness of this game, okay? And what I mean by that is, first of all, let's go back to the cards. When, like I said, when you play them, not necessarily swingy, but the cards themselves can be very swingy because they have come into play abilities. And sometimes yeah. it will literally be like remove every single piece of plankton or whatever off of the of the board. And once again, in dominant species, it's all the same, every single thing. Where in marine, you actually pull out of a bag and you randomly put uh, the, the tiles. Well, I guess that's the same in dominant species. Yeah. You randomly put those. But then you also randomly pull the chits for what things you can do in competition. Yeah, what you, things you can, you can go and score. Mm -hmm. uh, so there is randomness in that. So the cards, like I said, those sometimes you you might have a game plan all of a sudden of like, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to go get that plankton and I'm going to put it on, you know, either as abundance and put it on my board or put it out on the land, whatever the case is. And all of a sudden, boom, a card comes out and now those are all gone. And it's like, oh, great. You know, I had a whole plan of going and grabbing those or something, you know whatever the case. So that gives you some more randomness for sure. And then, like I said, the, where you can do competition and where you can do speciation is random. And sometimes I don't, that part I don't like about the game. I like the original dominant species where heck, if I know I want to go use that one and I get there first, I get to do it. Yeah. As opposed to this, you know, just with your regular pawns, I know somebody will say, well, with the special ones, you can go and choose whatever, or, you know, you can do a competition in two different areas, but it's, you know, it's obviously still just one cube or whatever. I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Um, I mean, I go back and forth on it. I I kind of like it just because if you look over there and like, let's say you have a bunch of your animals and like on a land and you know they can't fight on a land unless they go and take that special action pawn. And it's really not that great of, of, of these special actions. It's not the best because you're just taking off one cube from any two tiles. So I kind of like, I mean, you can do a little bit more planning there. But obviously, it's it, and it's random when it comes out. Yep. It's, it's not nothing you can do about that, but it's just once it's out there. But I, I know what you're saying. I understand what you're saying as far as it can be tough, especially like let's say you're in the, the last round, and then all of a sudden you really need to you know do competition in lands or you need to score mm -hmm. land or something like that, and it just doesn't come out. Yeah. just doesn't come out. Yeah, because, I mean, you literally – you could have a game plan where you have, you know, like a few different terrain types where you've got them – you know, you're out there kind of – lockdown or have an opportunity and you pull those things to be able to score those tiles and none of those those particular land types come out and there there is no special action pond for you to do something special you've got to have it there so 
too bad, you know, and, oh, I'm not near the, you know, the coral reef or the sand or whatever. You just have, you know, now obviously it's a game and you have to adapt or whatever. Yeah. But sometimes I feel like that can be a little, you know, for a heavy Euro game, you know, and I would say that this is definitely on the heavier side of a Euro game. It's all, it's obviously a lot of player interaction, a lot of planning, a lot of going on. If for that to be the part of the case, sometimes that can be very frustrating if that part of the plan kind of this just doesn't, you know, arrive to where you need it to be. I think you do have to know that going into this game. I think that's essential that your players at the table understand how the randomness can affect you. Now, most times, if you see that, again, in the display, hopefully you'll be able to kind of uh, migrate or get your species over or or get some competition out of the play so that maybe you can score one of those types that that is possible. But again, you're right. It, it, it can come up and smack you in the face if you're not prepared to deal with the randomness. And that's that's a bigger issue in this game than it is in the prior dominant species. Right. Mm. All right. Uh, last thing that I got that I just wrote down for, for gameplay, no rounds, which is right. cool. I think that's one of the best parts about this game is it is just definitely you're just boom. You're go, 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 go. You don't have once everybody has pulled their pawns back and done a retrieve action, you kind of have this cube that you move over to the right and it shows once everybody's done it, you do a reseed. But literally that reseed takes, I don't know, a minute maybe to do. Mm-hmm. And the reseed is basically paying attention to the action slots like like Clef just mentioned. And it's putting those chits out to de- decide what's going to score and what's going to come out for food and what can get uh, taken off the board for food. Right. Uh, so one more thought I just real quick, I wanted to circle back. So like, you know, I talked about how those come into play effects come and they will take some of those elements off. The one thing that I have noticed in a lot of games, those actions that, you know, uh, where the elements will slide down during a, uh, you know, either, you know, a round in dominant species or in a, in a passing or a reseed in the uh, in marine, you a lot of times don't have any elements even there to worry about. I don't think I've taken any one of those actions in the five or six games that I've played of this. So that I... I don't know if that's a very good play mechanism. So it's interesting because I played I played three or four games of this. And in the three or four games I've played, I've seen that regression action where you basically make sure that by going there, any of the food types, uh, you're, subject, you're not subjected to, to lose from your animal player board. That That's how your right. animal eats, mm-hmm. right? In that aspect, I've only seen it, seen that taken maybe a total in three or four games, three times. Now three more than me. Well, in the last Mm -hmm. game that I played, because this is really interesting. How many players? Three, always three. Okay, okay. Uh, Yeah, all my plays have been three. But I will say in the last game that I played, almost none of those cards came out. And when they did come out, they came out at the very end of the game. Because you know how you can- didn't hit it. Yes, so you know how you can take 10 cards- out right uh so you take 10 for for a standard game you take 10 cards out of the deck most of the game most of the cards out of that particular play were out of the deck already and the ones that were left were at the very end anyway just just by happenstance and so that that way a lot of those um depletion sources moved down and it just Mm. so happened that that was a valuable action to take if you didn't want to get everything depleted off your off Mm. your board i'm surprised like i said i i've played this game multiple times and never i mean most of the time there's not even a disc there i mean our last three-player game that we played together we even tried the uh, 
I don't want to call it the advanced oh, yeah, side the, or the other side where variant. it was just a variant variant where yeah. you draw three tiles uh, or elements to start with to be put on your thing. So those you immediately have stuff that could be hit by the regression and we never had anything no. in the regression. There was never even a token in the regression. No. And then, I mean, our first game when we played that four player game, uh -huh. we, we had the opposite of what happened with you, Chad, where we got hit with all those cards just in the yeah. setup. In the setup. So it completely yeah. depleted that area. Yeah, because in the setup, they say if there's a come into play effect, you immediately do it, which uh, I've always thought that's that just seems even strange to me. But at least yeah. I don't know. Well, okay. well, that should moving into our next uh, discussion that should give you some idea of the variability of this game, right? Because the cards in this game, the way they come out, it makes a difference. We talked about timing with the with the player pawns and, you know, just what everybody else is doing. And because there's so much player interaction, that creates more variability. But the way the cards come out create plenty of variability. Not not that you won't see a lot of them. And the, and the, and the cards themselves, what they do in this game, seems a lot of like, okay, so now we remove this element or we remove this element or we allow this to score double or, you know, those kinds of things. They're not that different from each other. But it still feels like there's a decent amount of variability. What do you think? Uh, I would say it's, it's okay. It's the, because you're only removing 10 cards. So you are, like I said, you're going to see a lot of the same cards and a lot of them do kind of the same thing. And overall, the, the gameplay is going to be the same. Uh, and you are, you're going to get a little variance as far as the, you know, what you can score every, uh, between the passing rounds and stuff like mm -hmm. that. So it, it definitely mixes it up, it, it, especially with the scoring and the competition and all that. I would say that that, that variable uh, is pretty good as far as how that moves. Now, you mm -hmm. may not like it, but I would say that right. that really does mix up the game. Yeah. Uh, I would say the its variability is, is average. I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's above average, but I wouldn't say it's for sure not below average. It does have some, you know, and even since you were rooming ten cards, which is not, I mean, the decks I think probably like fifty or sixty cards. I can't remember exactly, but um, but certainly they come out in different orders, you know, so different things can happen. Yeah, I mean, I just say it's it's average. average. I, I totally agree. Now, replayability, I think it's got tons upon tons of replayability because you have the human element in it for what's happening with that small or that average amount of variability. You have the human element. So then that's where the replayability to me is off the charts. Every game is different. I played a four player game of this where we, and we played the, uh, forget epic, the, the epic variant. We didn't take out any cards and we played, I mean, we were, everything happened and we played, although the asteroid was the very last card, we had our special pawns like, uh, you know, up in the high numbers, you know, of scoring mm -hmm. points and stuff. And I think, I think our final scores were like in the mid two hundreds or something, you know I mean? Huge mm -hmm. scores. And then the three of us played a game the other day where we were just killing each other like no tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, we couldn't get anything going. Used and all the vents. We vented. used all the vent tiles. <laughs> And our scores were barely over 100, you know? Yeah. So you've got tons of ways this game can be played, and it just it feels different every single time. So for me, replayability is off the roof. So, Chad, what, what's your thoughts on replayability? I agree with everything you said. There's nothing to add. All right. Richie? I mean, it's it's great. You yep. have to play the table, yep. which is what I love in games. That's so agreed. And you got to convince Chad to take out Clef. Yeah, <laughs> and then hopefully sneak in right behind him. Honestly, and we, you know, we were talking about this the other day. I was playing this, and that to me right now is my favorite type of game where there is that. 
hey, don't mess with me. Go mess with him or do this. You know, that's like this is Tammany Hall. So you need yeah, to play. Tammany I, I said Hall. I'm ready to play it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm. Hey, new Clef is ready to go. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. So I'm gonna just ask both of you and see to you because I've only played three player on all my plays of this game. That's just the way it shook out. What is your favorite or most desired player count for this game? Richie three or four is fine. I think yeah. I prefer the four. Yeah. Cause I mean, when you, when you think of dominant species, you can play up to six. Yeah. And I, I like the full player count in that. Yeah. Four. I'm going to say four is probably my favorite. Um, I, I would agree. I would I would like to play it at four just because I feel like it's the most, you know, true game. Uh, three is still good. Um, I played it two player once and didn't didn't go. Um, yeah. Now I just played it the regular version. I'm not gonna do the Multiple. try to play two uh, species. I I tried that in dominant species one time and oh boy, no, my brain's I'm not that smart. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I would say four is the is the ideal, but three I think still works pretty good. Okay, well I think that's that's a lot of this. Maybe before we give our final scores, do you guys want to talk about the overall differences and who would like you know a maybe do you need both games? And B, if you do, what's good for what? Well, I'll start off and say you need both games. Yeah, I, I have both games. Uh, or for me, I need both games. Yeah. There is enough differences in the games that truly it is a different game to me. And I, I'll, I'll, I'll chime in a little more on my final thoughts here in just a moment. But for me, I definitely feel like it is different enough that I want both games. Yeah, you know what? Let's just get into the let's get into our ratings and we'll we'll talk about it then. Okay, let's All do right. it. All right. So in Punchboard Paradise, we rate on a six point scale with a one being a game that makes you miserable and a six being a game that could be in your top ten of all time. Chad, Chad, what are you giving down to species? I have struggled Marine. with this one. I have struggled with uh, what number I'm going to give this. I think really quick, I will say that I think that dominant species marine is like Chad Jensen kind of listened to what was out there, what people said about the game, what was keeping some people from playing it or what they didn't like about the game. And he tried to answer back and, and, and meet those people halfway, I think. And again, um, you know, it's sad that we, we lost Chad Jensen. I I believe it was last year, such a talented, talented game designer. Great. He's, he's produced a lot of great games and and this is one of them. So, uh, a a loss uh, to the gaming community for sure. And of course to his, his family. But I will say that I think he said, you know what, for those of you that don't want to plan as much or plan in a different way because when you place in dominant species, you place every single marker before mm-hmm. you take the action. Sure. So you are hoping that somebody doesn't mess that up along the way somewhere, which totally happens often. Uh, so I think he said, we're going to make this a little bit more tactical for, for y'all who, who want that. Uh, and then for those people who said, yeah, but dominant species isn't as great uh, unless you play it at six players. And then people said, whoa, I don't want to play that game at six players. It takes way too long. Then he said, okay, we're going to make this four player max, not as long here you go you know and uh and so then when he said well these cards are so mean i like this game but it's so mean okay well make the cards a little bit nicer you know is Chad stalling here? Is that he's trying to? He doesn't yeah, know what he's going to rate. No, so I know, I know. All right, all right. I, I, I'm wavering, but you know what? In this case, I'm going to bump it up because my last play, I just, 
I got to teach the game to people that had never played it. I really enjoyed it. It was a five for me. It's a five. And it, it's there's going to be instances where I still want to play dominant species and really dig in, you know, and do that long-term planning. And then there's a there's another game where, you know, we're hooting and ho- it just feels like a little bit more above the table hooting and hollering and like rambunctiousness, I guess, because it just because it is so tactical. And, uh, you know, that's where this game fits. I, I really enjoy this game. I'm, I'm giving it a five. There you All go. Right. Very All right. good. All right. Cliff? Obviously, a lot of people, like I said, are going to ask comparisons between the game. And I think, Chad, you did a great job there of honestly kind of comparing the two games. Overall, I, I am going to say this. I think Dominant Species is still a better game. It is still more pure. I like the fact that it's a lot tougher. It is, I would even say, a lot meaner. It does have all the pre-planning. It does still has all the, you know, well, attack him, don't attack me, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, It has the talk Richie out of killing you so that you can come back and win the game. Um, It has, I I just personally think that Dominant Species is a perfect game. I mean, Dominant Species is a, a solid six for me. So Dominant Species Marine, I still think has a bunch of things that I think are awesome. I like the no rounds. I like the special pawns. I like how the pawns, you have to place them further down, you know, so you're not just immediately like later in a game in Dominant Species, it's just a race to see who can put their things down in the, in the domination spots. You know, you don't have that in this game necessarily. So I I think it has a lot of things it does well. I think it has a lot of things that I'm not super fond of. I don't necessarily like all those come into play effects and kind of make things weird. And obviously, like I said, you you lose out on some of those action spaces like regression and stuff if, if the cards come out like that. I don't like sometimes how you could plan to, hey, I know I've got the land and the coral reefs covered and all of a sudden those don't come out to score at all. So you're just like, well, crap, I guess I'm not scoring anything, you know? So there are some things that I don't necessarily think are great. However, those those minor things don't stop this from being an amazing game. 100% right now, this is going to be a, this is not a wingspan thing, by the way. This is going to be <laughs> one, probably my top game of 2021. I don't know, it's a lot of games coming, but definitely in my top 10, no doubt about it. This is a solid five, 100% great game. If you like Dominant Species, you got to get this and try this. And if you've never tried Dominant Species because you thought some of those things were a little too much for you, I think this is a good entry level, and I think that you'll really enjoy it if you know for for a game like this. So, all right, uh, Richie, on to you. Uh, and I agree with a lot of what both of you said. It, it's tough because honestly, if I if I have the player count, I think I'm always going to go with just regular dominant species because I like the dominance mm-hmm. factor in that. Now, I love the the right side of the board, the action part. I love that in this game. Just the unbalanced traits and the fact that the cards aren't as mean. Because if you're gonna play a game about species killing other species, it's mean. Let's yeah, let's not play. Let's get it's, into it. It's a mean game. <laughs> so <laughs> I I prefer that overall. But now, if I only have four people, I don't I don't mind playing dominant species marine mm-hmm. and or if we're trying to play a little bit quicker game or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it they definitely feel like they can both be on the shelf together. So for me... <laughs> I'm sorry, Richie. I'm just I'm just laughing because I'm just picturing you. Like, you're like, uh, I really want to play that dresses game you talked about. <laughs> Shut up. You're the reptile. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, we'd never do that. <laughs> so for me, yeah, they can both be on the shelf. They both are going to have a spot in my collection. It's just that I'm, I'm probably always going to go after dominant species. So for me, it's going to come in at a four. I think it's worth owning. I think it's definitely worth playing. Just not all the time. 
and Dominant Species would be my preferred game between the two. All so right. Four for me. There you have it, Punch Punch. So fives from Chad and Clef and a four solidly from Richie. Woo. Punch Punch, if you are just being a messy gamer, if you're just scattering your chits all over the table, oh, you just, you're just making a mess, you're oh. rolling the dice all over, oh. please just listen to Clef for a minute and take some time out and consider. How many times have you spent more time getting your board game set up than playing it? Well, if you have, then you need an insert from 3D Bitspace. They make great ones from Marco Polo to Grand Austria Hotel. You can even contact the owner, Ryan, about a custom insert. So head on over to Etsy.com and search 3D Bitspace. And when you order, also send Ryan an email and mention Punchboard Paradise and receive a free hex tray. Get to playing games and not setting them up. Well, now it's time for Punchboard Previous Plays. So over a year ago, we reviewed pret a by Portal Games and Ignacy Trevicek. Yeah, boys. Do you remember what you gave it? Uh, yeah, I, I gave it a three. I gave it a five. Oh. And I gave it a four. So nice wow. nice spread yeah, from us. Spread. All right, well, let's yeah. start with Clef. Clef, um, what is this game now? Well, I'm going to be honest. I haven't played it since we've reviewed it. Um, it's kind of funny, though, when you asked what did I rate it um, I, before we looked, I would have thought I would have given it a four. I have a little more, more fond memories of this game than maybe yeah, what I would say, yeah, I thought you so, were enjoying that game. When yeah, you were I actually it, thought it was an enjoyable game. I mean, it's it's... A medium euro that's you know straight you up know, you never it's know an economic what. game yeah. which you like yeah you know and i remember you being yeah. surprised at how much you liked yeah. it but uh, you, let's you, shoot it up to a four let's go <laughs> there you go all right let's take you, it to you four. never know what old clef was I, talking about that's anyway, true so. that is very true but i don't know i have more fond memories of this game i i honestly right now if you were to say hey let's play it i would be up for a game hmm? and so i think that's a little bit better than a three i don't know maybe i was grumpy that day I don't know. <laughs> you be. don't own a copy uh, yourself. I don't own a copy. Maybe that's why I gave it a three because yeah. I didn't. But that would be one that I I just thought about. I don't think I have that on my want trade list, you know, for I board game co. So I better go uh, throw that on there. there yeah. So that, that might be a game that, you know, I wouldn't mind picking up for a trade. I'm going to bump it to a four, not playing it one time since <laughs> our review. <laughs> All right. Well, that's great. Richie, what, what do you got for this one now? Uh, I have played it a couple times since our review. It's, it's a game oh. that. Uh, Jessica and I will bring out every once in a while, and I still I still love it. I'm I'm a big fan of Ignacy's designs, uh, especially his work replacement games. So, uh, for me, it's going to stay out of five. Solid. Nice. Game. All right. All right. Well, I I think I was Goldilocks on this one. I was just right. Four is about where it sits. Uh, I I love I really love Quanchai Moria's art on this one too. I must say, yeah, uh, it is it is that. so great. And in fact, it uh, I kind of put those on the front of some of my my calyx or my knockoff calyx shelves uh and and this one sits on the front because i really like it but i will say uh stephanie enjoyed her play of it because she likes the subject matter and uh i could still break this out uh she'd be like i don't remember playing this at all but uh <laughs> she did really enjoy it and i i really enjoyed my play so i think four is right where it sits for me all right well let's see what the punch bunch had to say though clef all right well ryan hibsman says i thought it was a very fun game a lot of required planning for multiple turns in advance. It's also pretty thinky slash mathy, so you just can't go with your overall gut on it. Overall, I would think I would end up giving it a four on the punch board scale. 
All right, solid. Joe Farrell said, my biggest takeaway from Pret-a-Porter was that it had too much heads down time, too much time spent organizing collections and figuring out who earned what and not enough time actually playing the game. In both of my plays, I felt like I was burned by poor card draws in the last round, and that didn't help matters either. The large variety of effects you can accumulate from buildings and employees and contracts in this game seem interesting at first, but they're a double-edged sword. You can't possibly read everyone's cards from across the table, so late in the game, when everyone has accumulated many such effects, it seemed like everyone would always have to preface their action by asking, does anyone have anything that would affect me if I were to go here? And it was one more thing that broke up the flow of the game. This is not a game that makes me miserable, but it is one that I'll try and talk you out of if you ever suggest it at a, at a game night. So that puts it at a two for me. Gentlemen, thank you very much for your thoughts. I think that, that both of those have merit, really. Yeah, yeah so agreed. All yep. right. And speaking of, those those thoughts came from our Board Game Geek Guild, Guild 3227. Speaking of which, there was a vote. On the draft that we did with Jess. Yes. There was a pretty, Isn't, pretty, pretty uh, clear winner there. Yeah. And, well, what, what, not not what, as ooh. clear of a loser, but there was a loser. <laughs> there was there, a loser. So, uh, I would say there was, was definitely a loser. I will well, say that. Yeah, well, yeah, because you guys came in third and fourth, right? Yeah. 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 All right. Me and Jess, we we rocked it. But there was yeah. a biggest loser. The, there was there a biggest was, loser. There was. So... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, just one Give some percentage. Right, so, uh, <laughs> Clef Yay! brought home the win with 55.1% of the vote. Uh, just came in second with 26.5% of the vote. Chad came in third with 10.2% of the vote. And then I came in last with 8.2% mm. of the vote. Now, I will say, I know I, I got a punishment of some sort coming. Someone has still has the, hasn't gotten a tattoo. I feel like... <laughs> There should be no punishment until previous punishments all right, have all been right. fulfilled. Uh, nope, no punishment for you, and we'll just skip my tattoo. No, right? no, 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 no. What? That's hey, what he just deal. said. The yeah. punch bunch. The punch bunch needs. I am not getting a tattoo. Well, nobody said that. All right, Corey, right? did you hear me? I'm not getting a tattoo. All right, we definitely said that. No, so Corey has a guy lined no, up. No, no, money's ready. I, look, he can hey, have all the hey, money hey, ready. Hey, he wants don't to. Don't let Richie squirm out of this one. Or instead of punishing me. No. How about Clef? No. We reward you. No. 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 And, and Look, you, I can't believe we, you're going to let him you squirm gave, out of should this. Should we switch this up? And, no. Yeah. Maybe we so mix who it up. wins gets to do, like, they get, get a minute. seconds to say whatever you want. That's yeah. a great idea for uh, next time. Yeah. I could talk <laughs> about For next time. I talk about Royals baseball. No. This is ridiculous. I, I cannot believe you you're letting yeah. Richie off the hook. No. You know what? No. Richie, you are off the hook, and we're going to start I hate you so much, both of you. You suck Richie, right here. Fist bump, baby. Yeah. <laughs> oh. 30 seconds is I'm yours, gonna your, I'm going to TP your house. Don't make Whoa. me hit your mute button. I will Whoa. TP your house. <laughs> Can you hit his mute button for us? <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the team with the best record in baseball right now, the Kansas City Royals, 15-8 and eight on this particular date we're recording. Probably by the time this episode comes out, we'll have lost like five games and be nowhere close, but that's okay. Right now, the Royals, we're winning and not – you know, we're winning a lot of close games because we're pitching really well. Our run differential is not the best. I'm a little worried, but we're, we got to start hitting. And all right? time. You're, all you're right. Done. You're all done. Right. Hey, that was awesome. That was fantastic. I really I, enjoyed I really, that. I thought that was great. <laughs> I thought that was great. I don't think the punch punch is going to like it very much. <laughs> well, punch punch, if you got a better idea, that go doesn't to our include guild. a tattoo. Yeah, no tattoos. Yeah. I mean, one tattoo. No. All right. No, no, no tattoos. tattoos. <laughs> 
Uh, Jump in the guild and give us a better idea. Or send us uh, yeah, an email. Yeah. Punchboardparadise at gmail.com. Yeah. Or, yeah, something. Yeah. We, we can need something better. All right. Was that it? Well, I don't know. Uh-oh. <laughs> I think it's game time. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> So you're going to have some like All right. 90s pump up music. <laughs> well, that's up to you. Yeah. <laughs> it's time for part two of how well do Chad and Richie know their top 10 favorite games oh. of all time. <laughs> this is awful. <laughs> this is awful. I don't even know if I remember my full top 10. I know my top Ooh. five. Okay. So we'll, well, yeah, I don't know either. You, oh, Chad, you're, you're you, going to need to know I your know. full top 10. You're me, one of the questions. You're telling me you went back and listened? To get our top tens, or is this what your guess of our top tens are? No, 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 no. These are our actual. T- okay. No, well, I guess our we wonderful it. Joe yeah, Farrell went right. and you know put them all, uh, you know, put all our things on there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, so yeah, so these are actual games. So all right, I'll just start off and I'll go back and forth here. So Chad, I'm gonna start with you. Okay. Great. In the Great Zimbabwe, how many number of God cards are there available <laughs> in a game? So there's so many, you obviously have to put so many away and there's only so many that are available during a game. And I'm even going to give you a one, a, a one, a minus one plus one. So if you're within one on either way, I'm going to give you the point. I'm, so. I'm currently playing a game of the great Zimbabwe and he doesn't online. Know. <laughs> I don't even know that the answer to that question. Eight. Well, I'm going to say eight. Eight is the correct answer. All right. There are 12 total in a game and you take out four. And yep. so you play with eight. Very, okay. very good. Bonus. How many specialists are there? Because that's the same number every single game. Can I get the bonus? Ten. Okay, Richie, I'm over to you. Six? There's five. 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 Very close. Right. Good, good. Well, you weren't close at all, Chad. You were way out. But you got the you got the real answer right, so very good. All right. Richie, what is the total number of each of the four colors of cards that you can have in Lorenzo El Magnifico? What is the maximum <laughs> number that oh, you the, the the, number of each of... color? Just yeah, not, not the total number, but mm-hmm. just each color, there's a certain number that you cannot have more of. Yep, 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 yep. I got you. Five? Six. 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 It's six. 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 Yeah! All right, Chad is up right now. One, two, nothing. Oh, I knew right. that. I knew that. All right. Number two, how many workers and what type of workers do you need to build your third powerhouse in Barrage? So there's two different types of workers. I'll even let you just name hey, the color. hey, hey. You didn't. Well, you keep giving him. You gave him a plus one, minus one on the first one. I didn't get a plus one, minus hey, one. I, I get, didn't need I was it. within one. I, I didn't need it because I thought yours was an easier question. <laughs> it is an easier question. I knew. So all right. So you can even just say what color. Okay. And then how many of them does it take to build in the mountains? No, not in the mountains. Doesn't matter where you build it. Powerhouse. It doesn't matter. Just the number. The third one that you build. So obviously, secret. It goes up. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. Uh, as you build. So your third powerhouse, how many and what type? You need the brown ones and you need six of them. No, it's the white ones. Well, there's not even white ones. Oh, in the gray. silver? Is it there silver? are gray, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's which what I are thinking. called the concrete yeah. mixers. Yeah. Okay. And you need four of them. Shoot. It's one right. more for what, you know, so if you yeah. build your first one, it's two and then three and then four and then five. Yep. Okay. So, all right. Ugh. All right. Good try, Chad. All right. <sighs> Richie. In food chain magnate, mm-hmm. what milestone do you achieve if you are the first to sell hamburgers? Are we talking the the base? Uh, excuse me, in the expansion in, in the ketchup. Expansion. Yes, okay. I apologize. Yes, and in, in, in the expansion, 
What is the milestone if you are the first to sell burgers? I never sell burgers. <laughs> I picked this one because I knew it'd be hard. I never sell burgers. I thought the first one was easy for you. Uh, uh, you got to yeah, guess. Was if I would have yeah. thought a little bit longer. I yeah. knew it was five or six. I was, yeah, all right, okay. all right, all right. Um, I man, I have no burgers. clue. Maybe it's a lot of them, like the pizza you get. The, I know the pizza. I can tell you the pizza one. Sure, tell me the pizza. It's not going to help you, but you can tell it to <laughs> <Right>. me. <laughs> no, I, won't, I won't even say it. Um, uh, burgers. I have no clue. I'm going to just, I'll, I'll say what the pizza one is okay. as the burger one. That's okay. my answer is you get to advertise on that tile, like two, two burgers. Yeah. Things or whatever. Yep. Okay. That's not, that's not it. Another burger. Nope. The burger is your CEO gets four permanent slots. slots. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's one you don't necessarily go after yeah. right away. So I don't yeah, sell so. burgers. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> All right, so almost exclusively drinks at my restaurant. All right, so right now we are one for Chad and zero for Richie. All right, (laughs) he doesn't sell burgers though. Okay, okay, Chad in Gaia Project, number one game of all time. (laughs) Yeah, except for the sun. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Well, I guess the sun beats it. How much knowledge does it cost to move up a research track? Talk about softball questions here. Yeah, but this is Chad, so I figured. <laughs> Do I get to steal? I don't remember this. Do we have stuff. I'll let you steal after okay. Chad oh, answers. I gotta get a point. I don't know if you'll get a point, but I'll let you steal. Eh, we'll you get, get a half, half point. point. Half How point. much knowledge does it take to move up a research track? Yep. Well, Three. then Chad's got a half point already because he said six, like Three. moment after. Three. Richie, would you like to steal? It is four. It is four. Okay. All right. So, so if he got the steal, though, I, I should you, get my six. You got he, a half yeah. a point. Yep. Okay. So Chad has one and a half points. Richie has a half a point. All okay. right. We're both doing poorly. Okay. Poorly. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> All right. Richie, name three out of the four companies in Mombasa. Uh, St. Louis. Okay. That's nice. one. Mombasa. Okay. I was going to be worried if you didn't go with that one. There's the orange one. That's what I was like. And it's the, the orange, orange and the red one. And, um, Oh, red one, it would be. I'm 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 gonna give a little hint because I gave a couple things to Chad. Okay, fine. They start with the letter C. Mm, that didn't help. That didn't help. Chris oh, God. I thought you would. No. I thought that would help. Nope, that's put me in a worse place now. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't thinking of C. Uh, corn. When did I eat corn? <laughs> Concordia. Concordia. <laughs> What's the red one? <laughs> Cape Town. Cape Town. Oh, Cape Town. man. Yeah. Cape Town. And then the orange one is? I still Ky- don't know. Cairo. Cairo. Yeah. Hey. All right. I got two. Good That's they were both worth half a point. Uh, uh-uh. No. <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> all right, Chad. Number four. What is the first possible round in Agricola to have the family growth option? Third. Nope. It's fourth. Fifth. Fifth really? Round. Mm-hmm. It's the fifth I think round. He gave two wrong answers. He <laughs> loses half a point. Shut up. Get out of here. It is the fifth round. Uh, is the first possible round for the family growth. See, I don't appear. even remember rules for games. <laughs> I just played. Yeah. All right, Richie. Yeah. How many contracts are you able to, or are you have the option to complete in the pond? So you have the, the the whatever they are, those foreign contracts that, you know, you don't ever do because you just beat us out on the board. But, yeah, you know, I know. So I, I literally you pay no do not to play them. with that part of the game. Yep. Like, so at all. I these questions. 
So how many contracts? Um, just trying to imagine the board and all the ones going across. I'm going to say you can do three at a time. I'm going to say ten. Mm, eight. Ugh. That's close. Can you do three at a time? I thought you'd only do two at a time. Pretty sure you, you can do, only do two at a time, Richie. I, mean, I don't care. I don't play I'm with that. Part. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> all right, all right. I'll, right. I'll give you a three. bonus. I'll give you a bonus one. Okay, so I had Chad give a bonus one back on Great Zimbabwe. Okay. How, what is the total number of numbers? I don't know what you, the the things that the influence. Uh, I think they're the influence that numbers you that you put out on the board. You know, yeah. what are the total number of those numbers that you have? Obviously, there's some doubles right, there's of some. some. Doubles. Yeah. Um. These are stupid questions. Um, <laughs> oh, hey. boom. See, what, what, I sh- you shouldn't have let Richie talk you out of that punishment. Yeah. Anyway, okay. We might have to revisit that now. <laughs> well, that's what happens for the loser, right, in this game? <laughs> yeah. Eight? Should have went with your answer for the first one. Ten. All right, all right. Chad, your last question here. Of your top 10, name one of the two games in your top 10 that I have never owned. Like, I've never owned a copy of the game. Don't look over my shelf. <laughs> right, well, it wouldn't be over there. <laughs> <laughs> there are two games on your top 10 that I have never owned. I have played them both, but I have never owned them. He's also got to remember his full top 10. Uh, yes. well, well, he just has to That's remember one, one of them on there that he knows I don't own. That you've never owned. That I've never owned. Yeah. I will let Richie steal this, too. I don't know. No? I, I barely know my own top 10. So I, know. To know I don't Chad even remember if I put Tramways in my top 10, but I think I did. So tramways, tramways, tramways is, is one. Answer. Tramways is one. That is incorrect. Okay. You did not have Tramways in your top 10. Okay. The two choices you would have had were Matainai. Oh, of course. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And On Mars. Ah. I've never owned oh, On Mars. Yeah. Yep. Never owned it. Crazy. Okay. All right, Richie. This is <laughs> this it. Is You're painful. down by a point. Okay. Bring it. All right. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Okay. What is the total number of maps that are listed on our, the website, Age of Steam Maps, that we go to all the <laughs> you're time. Not gonna, you're not even going to give me BGG? It has to be Age of Steam Maps? <laughs> it's Age of Steam Maps, yep. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to give you, I'll give you a 10-point cushion here or there, because it varies, Plus you know, from a lot 10. of different wow, things. Okay. okay. So basically, in general, what are the number of published maps that, you know, we're not talking obviously fan maps or anything like that, just standard published maps it definitely has fan maps on Age of Steam maps. Oh, okay. Well, whatever that case is, then what, <laughs> that number. I think the sa- it says the same number in Age of Steam Con. Ooh, we should talk about Age of Steam Con. Everybody wants to come along. Yeah. Um, uh, Age of Steam Con says they have this number of maps that they will have available. I'm going to say 143. It's 144. Wow. There we go. There we go. I'm going to give it to him. Very a good. Tie. Oh, there we go. So a tie. Yeah. You didn't have any tiebreakers? <sighs> nope. He you didn't weren't expect expecting it. this I, high scoring. <laughs> what we got? Both have one, one and a half. One half. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. We were um, close, though, in all yeah. the answers. Yep. That was all good. Right, okay. So here's the tiebreaker. I'm going to have you guys go back and forth saying a game that is on my top 10 until one of you doesn't know and has to give up. All right, I'll All go right, first. Well, I get to go first because, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> no, I get to yeah. go first because it was your turn last. Okay, so All Chad, right. Chad. Age of Steam. Age of Steam is on my top 10. Great Western Trail. That is on my top 10. Nations. Nations is in my top 10. Food Chain Magnate. Did that not make your top no, 10? No, it did not. He doesn't even no, know his top 10. No, he doesn't know. Does it, throw See, it out. he was giving me a bad time. <laughs> he was giving me a hard time and he doesn't know. There you go. Oh, uh, shut up. Um, <laughs> food Chain is in my top 10. <laughs> right. Okay, oh, back to you, Chad. Uh, There's a big one still in there. I know. I should know it. Hold on. Let me think. Oh, I got two, so I'm good. Ooh. Oh, man. I know it's not Concordia. <laughs> he doesn't like to eat his vegetables. Nope. nope, nope. I'm going to give you a point for that joke. That was good. <laughs> Wildcatters. Ooh, mm, Wildcatters no. is not in no. my top 10. Oh, wow. Shoot. No, I think okay. it was like number 11 Brass? or 12. Brass is oh, there. Of course. And La Havre. Didn't La Havre crack the top 10? No. No, nope, nope, no nope. not anymore. Thank nope. God I didn't say that. No. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> I was uh, going to go with brass. should have said okay. brass. That was dumb. Uh, yeah, we got uh, Madeira. Madeira. Of course. Of course. Uh, Dang it. Clans of Caledonia. Yeah. Arkwright. I almost said Arkwright. Uh, PAX, uh, second edition, oh. premiere. That and was then, a, uh, that's still a surprise. And then Heaven and Ale. Okay. Oh, yeah. Wow. Heaven and Ale in top 10. Okay, good. Yeah, so. All right. Well, all right. I lost. Right. Sort of fair. And I'll, I'll be honest well, with you. I don't honestly, feel good about the victory. I was yeah, going to okay. say, I think you both lost. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and everybody feels dumber for having listened to this. Uh, all right. Well, hopefully that was fun to listen to. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they were yelling at the <laughs> yelling at us. So I will say this punch bunch. I feel like it's a win uh, that we have you listening to us. Thank you so much. Uh, take care of yourselves and each other. All right, everybody. Have a good night. Thanks for listening. Punchboard Paradise would like to thank our loyal listeners as well as the publishers and designers that have provided review copies. You can find us at punchboardparadise at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at Punchboarders. We are on Instagram at Punchboard Paradise and Facebook at Punchboard Paradise. Eek's a mama!